0: Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callous, coming to you on February the 16th, 2024, the year of our Lord, 2024. Today we're going to be talking about thinking about the future, or if you prefer, think about the future. Now i got to be honest, every time I hear that phrase, I still think about the Jack Nicholson Joker from 1989. Now I know I'm dating myself but that's just where my head goes. This is episode 584. And before we get to the subject du jour, let me remind you the best way you can help me make a difference. The best way you continue to grow this program with me, and the best way that we can get the message out is for you to like, share, and subscribe to the program. Follow me, please. Now, look, the important thing about this show, and I and I, I'm overdue. I need to say this again. The show is my opinion, my understanding of what things are. That doesn't mean that I'm always right. It doesn't mean that I there isn't a difference of opinion on the way things happen or understanding. It just means this is what I'm seeing. This is what I think. And I always encourage you, the listener, to do your own research, to double check things, to come to your own conclusion, and I will just share what I'm thinking about it and you can make your own decision therefore. Which is kind of why it's tough for me to put out an endorsement and say you need to go do X, Y, or Z as far as going to the voting booth. I would much rather give you information, have you come to your own conclusion, make your own decision about what you want to do, and then go do that. And if you happen to agree with me, great. But I want an educated voter, not somebody that just follows my lead. I I don't think the republic has served well with that. And the reason why I bring this up is Unfortunately, next week I'll probably spend some time on some different races and different things at hand. I say unfortunately because even I am about tired of the primary season. (laughs) And it's so, so early. and so fast. All right. So the topic du jour, right? Oh, yes. And one last thing. Join me over on the social medias, right? I've got a page and a group over at Facebook. I drop in at Gab, and for whatever reason, you can still find most of my programming, if you will, on YouTube. At some point, I might have to figure out Rumble, but therein lies the rub. I only have so much time in the day. I do this for free. It's my labor of love. For you, the listening audience, I still have a full-time day job, and guess what? A... (laughs) part-time seemingly full-time uh political uh duty let's put it that way all right so when i think about the future i have to break it down into a couple different areas so for me myself right my piece of this uh puzzle what do i see myself doing where where am i going to go what does that look like well to be honest with you that is a, an evolving situation depending on the time of year and various other things. You know, I always have had a goal. I've always had a couple of ideas of different things I want to do. I'm not going to bore you with those details, but suffice it to say, as I get older, as things change in the world around me, you have to pivot. You have to, you know, come up with different solutions, come up with different for lack of a better word, angles to approach things so you can make sure that you can stick to your principles, that you continue to do the right thing, but still provide for your family and still obtain what some would call um, career goals. And different people have different definitions of what a career goal is, but always be moving forward, right? The, The old phrase of always be closing, very applicable here. All right. It's also a Friday, so on a Friday, I, I like to stay upbeat. I like to stay, you know, focused. Give you a couple of things of interest to think about over the weekend. So, in the spirit of that, so my show, um, according to Podbean, I've got six hundred episodes out there. This is uh, six hundred plus. This is numbered five hundred eighty-four. There are approximately thirty unnumbered episodes. There were some shorts I did, some uh, fill-ins, that kind of thing. So you've got plenty of stuff to go back to. Now, I do spend a lot of time talking about current events and how they relate to us here in Collin County, Texas specifically, and I do spend a lot of time focusing on local issues. I will acknowledge that's limited some of the growth. I will also acknowledge, uh, that's kind of pigeonholed some of the things that I do. I, I think that's a fair way to phrase it. I don't want to say it's limited. I don't want to say it's a problem, but it is something that I got to look into right at the, the end of last year. I had a thought process of how I wanted to do things. And, you know, we're not even two months into this new year. And I, I'm reevaluating that. I'm constantly reevaluating how can I do something more that is better, that doesn't break the roughly 30 minute threshold that I can do the program in and still bring something new, something fresh. So I've tried to keep a mix of what some would call evergreen topics, right? Something that never kind of goes out of style, but still incorporate things that are happening right now, right? The current events section. So there's an, perhaps an evergreen theory or principle applied to this current event. I think that's kind of my sweet spot. I think every principle or every ideal does need to be applied to the current zeitgeist, the current issue. So that's, I think I'm going to focus on that in my show, but I think what I'm going to do also is I'm going to keep my Tuesdays on primarily Texas and or Texas. I think that's been a good mix and a good program note, if you will. I've spent a lot of time on Thursdays, um, talking about either books or movies that I've taken part in, right? I've read it. I've watched it, whatever. I think I want to keep that as well. I, I think now that I've quit quoting large portions of text. And I've talked just more about my reflections on what I got out of it and how it might uh, affect you. I think that's benefited. And I, so I'm going to continue on that path for a while and see if that continues to strike a chord, if, it, if it's still something that is of value to my audience. And, I, and again, I'm going to try and stick with the keeping things light hearted on Fridays. So now as you're kind of figuring this out, that means Monday is going to be my hyper-local show, right? I'm going to continue to focus on McKinney, Collin County specific things on Mondays. The, the, the real crux is, do I go and do like national issues on Wednesdays? Typically on Wednesdays, I've, I've tried a couple of different things, but I really think to continue to ignore, and I don't want to say ignore, to continue to Make national issues second fiddle is part of what has made me me, part of what made my show my show. But if we're going to grow, if we're going to bring people in, if we're going to attract more audience, if we're going to get more involvement, I probably need to be more open about addressing things at a national level. But as always, when I address things at a national or even an international level, I like to bring it back into how does it affect us here in Collin County? What happened? In McKinney, how is it going to be affected by what's going on at the national or international level? So, I think that's one of the changes I want to make. So, as I'm thinking about the future, I want to take Wednesdays and look at maybe more of a national view or an international view, but always bringing it back to what happens. So, if you, you know, I was a little jumbled on how I laid that out, it's Friday. So Mondays, we're going to stick to the McKinney, the the local stuff. Tuesdays, we're going to do the Texas, Texas show, right? And then on Wednesdays, we're going to pivot and do more of a national or an international reflection on what's going on here in Texas. Thursdays, we're going to st- still continue for the time being, talking about books, movies, just media things and how that affects or what the impact is on you, what maybe it causes you to think about. And then Fridays, it's going to be a hodgepodge. It's going to be the free for all, if you will, but it's also going to try and bring up a number of what I would say topics that can't be addressed well in a single snippet. In other words, they require a little more effort, but I want to be short and sweet about them. You know, I, I, utilize the concept of a free for all Friday or a five for Friday, just giving you some bullet points, things to think about and consider over the weekend. I've had a lot of fun with that. I hope that's been working out for you, my audience. I would appreciate the feedback. So going forward, I think that's what I want to do. I think that's the best way to impact the future. That's the best way to bring things together. And as you, as you might be picking up on, you know, there's always Always taking the time to give feedback, to participate. Um, I'm sorry, I had a little glitch there. I I don't know where it chewed up what I was saying. And I I like to do these in one continuous loop. So uh, if you'll bear with me. So again, we got a process for the show. We want to continue to engage and bring people in and get people involved. I appreciate those of you that take the time to invest your 20 to 30 minutes with me a day. Um, I don't know about you, but I like listening to podcasts at an up speed like 125 or 175. A lot of people prefer the one five. I know people that do 2.0. You can get all the information in a quicker period of time in. Look, when you're talking and you enunciate and you're trying to be clear about what you're saying, it slows you down. This is not a normal talking pace for most people. But if you speed up the conversation when you're listening, it goes quicker and you can get more information. I mean, I listen to probably four or five podcasts per day during the work week while I'm driving around town doing my day job. And I get a lot of information. I get a lot of uh, things that I pick up on it. You know, I've I've talked about the idea that I spend time. Listening to Brian McClanahan, Ann Hall, when she has new shows out, Tom Woods. So what's been, you know, I've really been getting a lot of um, Brian McClanahan show. I would encourage you the last two weeks have been stellar out of Brian McClanahan. That'd be about eight shows, roughly about 35 minutes each. You listen at a quicker time, you get done faster. One of the things that was striking to me. Is the way that he's going at the current events and reviewing back to the historical precedents, right? This stuff happened in the past, and and this is how it's coming to fruition now, 250 years later. That's to me, that's fascinating. It's interesting. I, you know, whether you can sit through my show or not, I would encourage you to take the time to check that out. All right, so kind of done talking about my show. I'm 12 minutes in, so let's pivot. We're going to talk a little bit about my party. As I've said many, many times, I'm a reluctant Republican. What I mean by that is I'm far more liberty-orientated than the average Republican. I, I am on the outlier of outliers, if you will. When you're involved in county politics, when you're involved in the county party stuff, most of those folks that are outliers, right? They're trying to push the envelope. They're trying to stretch that Overton window, and there's a lot of appreciation for that. There really is. But they also need to be cognizant of the fact that the rest of the party, the rest of the county doesn't necessarily reflect them. It's good to push the envelope. It's good to push the over window. But you have to accept that a lot of people aren't there yet, whether it's through education or assimilation or whatever. They're not ready to accept the things that a lot of these folks see as perfectly normal and good things. And I would agree with them. And in fact, most of the time I'm turning things up to 11, right? But I also am well aware that I am the outlier among outliers, and most people don't see things the way I see it. They don't feel the same way about it. So I try to adapt. I try to focus on the areas of agreement or the areas of the minor degrees of difference that we can work together to move things forward, to continue to address issues as they go on. So I get frustrated when our elected officials don't have that same courtesy when dealing with us. I get frustrated when people that are already on my team can't see the bigger picture. They can't understand that maybe you don't press for this issue right here, right now, that you focus on the bigger picture. What that means is, you know, I, I talked about the Republican civil war, if you will, last week, that's a real issue. It's a real problem and we have to address it. Look, there's the whole idea of the big tent and then there's the purifiers. The two sides need to come together. There is nothing wrong with having a great big tent of everybody that gets to call themselves a Republican, but the people that are going to lead, the people that are going to get things done also need to understand that you can be in front of the parade all day long, but if there's nobody following you, you're not going to get anything done. You're you're not going to put on a show. You're not going to make a difference. So we need to lead, but we need to be a comedy. We need to work with the people that aren't necessarily quite like where we're at. And that to me, that's a major shortcoming or a fault within our own party. And I can't say that I'm not guilty of this from time to time. I, I found myself in a An interesting situation. You know, years past, a gentleman I know had been uh, labeled and dogged on and basically run off. Now, I got to be honest. I always had a very cordial uh, relationship with the guy. I like the guy. There are lots of things that eh, maybe not in total agreement, but generally it's like, uh, you, you deal with a Christian brother that maybe comes from a different denomination. You don't challenge their faith. You accept that they are who they are. You maybe quibble about some of the denominational differences. Well, in my mind, this is kind of the thing, right? The guy is a Republican. Maybe not my exact brand, but I don't see him as the enemy. I don't see him as evil. I don't see him as trying to undercut everything. Maybe he's okay with some things I'm not okay with, and certainly I'm okay with things that maybe he's not okay with, but he's not my enemy, and so... I got involved in a conversation where it was kind of one-sided and he just kind of kept taking it. And I'm like, you know, this is not helpful. Yeah. The guys maybe okay with things I'm not okay with, but he also is open and wants to find a different way to get things done. Why wouldn't I want to work with that guy? If he's in a position to be helpful and to, you know, accommodate some of the things that I'm concerned about and work on a agreeable solution? Why, why would I take my time to beat up on that individual when I could just hold out my hand and say, look, yeah, maybe we're not in the same paragraph, but we're probably on the same page here. And if we're not on the same page, certainly on the same chapter, let's be honest. What, what are the things we want to agree on? What are the things that we can work on? And if I have an adult conversation, i.e. sit down, talk, and treat each other with respect, and I elaborate on why I think this, these are some shortcomings of doing things this way, would you be open to reconsidering this or thinking about this? I would think, and I know I, I feel this way personally, but I would think that individual would be far more willing to hear you out and work with you than if you beat them up and call them names and be rude to them, quite frankly. So, I mean, I'm not naming names because I like both people I was talking with. I don't dislike them. I don't have any dog in that hunt, if you will. But the reality is, if we're going to constantly be beating up on the people that are in a position to be helpful because they're not 100% in agreement with us, we're never going to win anything. That's the problem my party is suffering. So, you know, I also had another conversation this last week whereupon I'm talking to another individual and he said, you know. Consider this, and they're his words. I'm not going to out him. I'm not sure <laughs> that I'd be doing him any favors. But we had this really good conversation going on, and he basically said the difference is the activists that we have in Collin County are appropriate and very well suited. Particularly if they were in Dallas County, if they were dealing with the trials and tribulations down in Dallas County, we need those people there. That would be an appropriate battlefield for them. They would get stuff done. They would push the issues. They would have the fight that they're looking for. But here in Collin County, you know, things aren't perfect, but they're really good. We have an excellent county government. We have an excellent, well, we have a good situation at the municipal level, even though some of the leaders aren't necessarily our particular brand or flavor that we would prefer as far as republicanism. Generally, they're pro-business. Generally, they're pro, you know, law and order, right? Peace and comfort, that kind of thing. So we're already in a good spot. A lot of people have called Collin County the bubble. There's something to be said for that. Well, the folks that are here that are the activists, they don't have an actual battle to fight. So they have to pick what I would deem lesser battles, things that don't necessitate a full war, if you will, And that's what they turn to because they need something to do. So they start fighting over molehills and turning them into mountains. And this is my opinion. I'm interpreting what the conversation was. But basically, he he was imparting the idea that these good activists that we have don't actually have a fight in Collin County. Not not a major fight. There's little stuff, but not a major fight. Perhaps if we could help Dallas County utilize some of those folks down there. That would be a useful outlet because here in Collin County, they're going after degrees of difference with the vehemence that you would go after Democrat talking points. And again, this is kind of my interpretation of the conversation. So I'm not meaning to put exact words in the other guy's mouth. And again, leaving out the specific individual for his own protection and mine, I guess. So I I thought that was fascinating because it was feel the puzzle piece that was missing in my theory of why we're at where we're at the idea that we don't have a legitimate f- big fight to fight creates the fighters amongst us right the uh, the advocates the activists among us to go and find something because they need something that's a fair approach approach and understanding what's going on i can't rebut it What's interesting, as I talked to my wife a little bit later about it, she was like, yeah, that, that's exactly what how I would read that. That makes a lot of sense. So I would say to my activist friends, right, perhaps we should look at how can we deploy our actions down in Dallas to push back and perhaps make a difference. There are some races that are close and maybe we could help them and in- inspire people to get up and get things done and try and maintain our majority, right? Our our positive status here in Collin County, but focus our fight on Dallas County and trying clawing back some of what we lost or even Tarrant County for that matter. We're here. We have uh, excess activists, right? People that are really interested in fighting the good fight rather than beating up things that are marginally different here in Collin County. Can we look at maybe assisting or helping? Uh, Just a thought you know my party really needs an external foe to fight and make a difference because we're keep beating up each other we keep tearing ourselves apart at the end of the day we damage our own party we damage our own brand we we damage our own marketing we're a net negative when we should be a major positive to the surrounding areas so i'm asking you if if you're a good activist if you feel like there's bigger problems 20 miles south of us, or even in Tarrant County, could we consider deploying some of those forces there to help make a difference? Right. I don't think Collin County's in peril if we would quit fighting amongst ourselves. Just my thought. 55% is still a huge difference, and I think we're probably closer to 58%. The reason why we're not doing that is because we're fighting amongst ourselves. We're depressing our people, pushing people away, just so negative. And it's obvious. Everybody seems to get it. That's been around or been in hierarchy or whatever you want to call it. We need to focus on the bigger picture. I don't want to play kumbaya. I don't want to pretend there aren't issues. I just want to keep them in context. There's much bigger issues and to be dealt with in Dallas County or Tarrant County some would say even Denton County at this point, than there is in Collin County. Let's focus on fighting those battles and making a difference there. We shouldn't ignore what's going on, but we just need to understand that Collin County doesn't have the same peril. Now, some of those people that are in positions of influence and you know authority right now that are potentially sowing the seeds for future problems, we need to treat them with respect. We need to give them talking to in private and work with them and help them understand why this is going to be a net negative long term. We don't need to be disparaging them publicly and attacking them on social media and making enemies out of people that are our allies. Keeping in mind, allies are often people that want to work together for a common goal, but are not necessarily purposefully aligned on everything else. And if we look at the greater picture that we are in a war, we're in a war to save our culture in our republic, in Texas, in Collin County. That's what we need to be focusing on, in my opinion. All right. In the remaining time I have, I'm going to pivot to my Texas, right? So, you know, it's interesting because I, I am a TNM and m member and I'm proud of it and I'm grateful that <laughs> I get to partake and have the tiniest little bit of input with some of the people there. I really appreciate what they're doing. But at the end of the day, I'm not sure it's attainable without education. I'm not sure it's attainable without building up that culture of independence. That doesn't mean that it can't or won't happen in the future. It just means that I've scaled back my expectations. And if we should be active and proactive and finally get our vote, I'm curious as to how that plays out. You know, polls have us at, you know, 31%, 33%, whatever, across the spectrum. I suspect that may be true. But think about it this way. If you take a population of, let's just say, 35 million people, and you take 10% of that, that's 3.5 million people. They can get a lot of stuff done. There's a lot of things that can be accomplished. If we work on that culture of independence and we achieve our de facto independence, that's great. But before we even get to de facto independence, we need to start answering some of those greater questions. How is Texas going to have a monetary system? How is Texas going to deal with the idea that they want to tie us in to the national grid? They want to make Texas subservient. How do we exert our sovereignty? How do we remind them that we're an independent, sovereign state who is in partnership with other states to create a federal government. So the way forward, and this is one of the things I want to mention again, Brian McClanahan's take, took a lot of time talking about um, the Supreme court decision in the state of Hawaii, where they told SCOTUS go pound sand. I would love to see that happen More often out of Texas and for that matter, Florida and Wisconsin and Idaho and Montana and California and New York and Illinois, because that puts us back on a level playing field that creates the federal system that we built our plans on that we said could save the union. Right. If you allow for the state of Illinois to approach things differently than the state of Kentucky and the state of Kentucky approaches things differently than the state of Oklahoma, or the state of Ohio, or the state of uh, Maine, or the state of Oregon, and you allow for these different things to happen, we can agree on the big picture. We're going to defend our coasts. We're going to work together to maintain our system, but we're not binding everybody to the exact same thing everywhere. So whether you're pro-Texit or whether you're you know, anti-Texit, but you feel very strongly that Texas needs to be more assertive, we can all agree that if every state is more assertive, that makes Texas better. If every state steps up to the plate and pushes back, that makes things in Texas better. So in my mind, aside from building a culture of independence, we have to deal with the issue that we have government indoctrination centers. How do we fund education and take care of the next generation without indoctrinating them? on the latest socialist PAP. We've talked about that in the past. I think it's you know, fun to revisit that, but I'm not going to spend any time on it today because we we'll also have to deal with the idea that we have a certain amount of reliance on the federal government for certain things. But what's odd is the federal government is also highly reliant on the state of Texas for other things. So it's supposed to be a symbiotic relationship, but in many ways, it's more of a parasitic relationship. Now, depending on who you're listening to, they'll say Texas is a net importer of money. Well, sure, if you include the largest military base in the country, Fort Hood, I don't care what they call it now. It's still Fort Hood. If you count, you know, various other installations that are in Texas, those are federal things. That money that comes in is for those federal operations. That's not actually money going to Texas for Texans per se. It's money going to the federal installation that just happens to be in Texas. If you take that out, that changes everything. And there are ways that that can be approached. I mean, Daniel Miller's covered this all in his book, so I'm not going to rehash that. I'm just saying there are ways that these things can be addressed. Maintaining control of our power system making our own rules for our energy production and drilling. And I don't think we should be willy-nilly and waste things, but on the flip side, I'm less concerned about what people in New York think about anything than what what the people in Texas think. Just as a brief aside, you know, I've talked about this before and I think this comes into play with everything I've just said. Karens are the problem, but by calling them Karens, we're not doing any favors to our friends that actually are named Karen, which is why, but based on Brian McClanahan's association with it, his answer is let's call them Yankees. And I wholeheartedly agree. And I generally do that. I refer to them as Yankees. Now, as a reformed Yankee, I take no umbrage on that because it's true. Yankees move places and they bring their Yankeeness with them and they want to change things to accommodate them rather than accommodate to the culture that they went to. What's interesting is, as you send missionaries out, one of the things the missionaries spend time doing is accommodating the culture that they're going to become a part of. Yankees don't do that. They come with the attitude that they're here to colonize and subvert what's already present. If you doubt me, just look at how they've done things over the last century. Perhaps you can say it was started after the war of Southern secession. Perhaps you could say that it was a result of the failed war of independence for the Southern states. Perhaps you could just say it was the war of Northern aggression brought more Yankees everywhere. I, I don't know whatever your preference is, but it is an issue. And yes, maybe they dealt with the great sin, the great stain of American history, but in dealing with that stain, they created many more. They created many more problems, many more faults. The Yankees think they always know best and they are going to give it to you good and hard for your own good in their mind. That's just not a good way forward. So, I mean, in closing, as we think about Texas, we have an affinity. We have a desire to see Texas do well. The real question is, Does Texas benefit by having its entire population upended by, we'll just say, foreign ideas? My answer to you is, I don't think so. I I don't think that's what's best for Texas. But the good side of that is, it ain't over yet. It's not going to be over for some time. And if we're going to go down, I'm going to go down with my boots on, metaphorically speaking. (laughs) I encourage you, do the same. All is not lost. Think about the future. And with that, this has been According to Callus, And I will see you on the other side.